It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll right get through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of the Tom Sumner Program, and a good one it is to kick off this uh, 4th of July weekend. On Fridays, we always like to shine the spotlight on arts and culture and entertainment, and we're going to do that uh, uh with a hat trick today coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour uh, retired faculty member of the theater and dance department of uh, california polytechnic uh, state university at san luis obispo uh, al schnoop who um, studied at the american academy of dramatic arts in new york and holds a doctorate from ucla he's written a quirky satire of political intrigue called zero and we'll talk about that coming up toward the end of the show um in the middle where <laughs> this is fascinating to me um is a new book by andre andre darlington called Booze Cruise, A Tour of the World's Essential Mixed Drinks. And, and uh, Andre Darlington is uh, described as a world traveler and noted drinks writer. And I don't know how somebody gets the title, noted drinks writer. But, uh, but we'll talk to Andra, Andre and find out why during the second hour of our three-hour tour. But coming up first... Um, 
returning to the show is uh, someone who has written extensively about theater and film. And she was on the show back in March talking about Jane Mansfield. She has a new book. It's uh, called Anna Held and the Birth of Zegfield's Broadway. And uh, her name is Eve Golden, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Eve. Welcome back. Hello. Listen, if this is a three-hour tour, can I be Lovey Howell? <laughs> I never understood the Ginger versus Marianne argument when Lovey was on the island. Well, see, there you go. That was that was the thing. That was the perfect combination of people. And, uh, and Schwartz, of course, uh, in all of his TV shows, always told the story of the show in the theme song. They don't have great theme songs anymore. Now, I must, I must do the unthinkable and correct my host. It's Zigfeld, not Zigfield. Yes, you're right. And he I, would have spun in his grave. <laughs> um, and, and you're right. And, and I don't know why it always comes Everyone out. Everyone says Zigfield. Yeah, it, it comes out like that for some reason. Um, the fact that I'm a W.C. Fields fan probably enters into it. But... The story of Anna Held, she is not as remembered, even as uh, much as, as her predecessor, Lillian Russell. Uh, and they were best friends, by the way. Everybody tried to make them into enemies since they were the two big sex symbols of the period and the biggest stage stars, and they became the best of pals. Now, it's so funny. When you look back at, at this... Um, at this time period, and we're talking about roughly 1896 to 1910, um, and and for some reason that time period doesn't seem like it would accommodate sex symbols. I love that period. If I could go back in time, I think the Edwardian period is my favorite. The, the fashions, the music, the architecture. And then I think for about five seconds and realize, oh, right, I'd like air conditioning and modern medicine and the right to vote. So no, I actually am not crazy enough to want to go back there. But um, there was, every time period was naughty. There is no period of time since the beginning of recorded history that was not naughty. Even the Victorians, oh boy, were the Victorians naughty. They just covered it up really well. <laughs> but, but history has helped to cover that up very well, too. Well, the Edwardian period is thought of as very elegant. Uh, it's the whole pre-World War I thing, uh, before the modern era really hit with a bang. And the clothing was so gorgeous that it, it's not really thought of as, as a sexual period, but of course it very much was. This is the era of the tango girl and uh, the post-Gibson girl era and the... the uh, fashions. I mean, this is mod the birth of modern art really happened and modern music happened during the Edwardian era. And when you talk about Anna Held, um, she's described as America's most popular musical comedy star during the two decades preceding World War I. How would one even be known as a star? She traveled era. the world, and uh, Ziegfeld was a, a genius at press agentry. Uh, newspapers, posters, uh, of course, obviously, she wasn't on Twitter and YouTube. Well, she is on YouTube now, actually. If you, if you look up 
there are a few precious film clips of her. Um, Zigzone was just a genius at press agentry. The whole um, publicity stunts, bathing in milk, which she never actually did, of course, but people still think she bathed in, in milk. Um, having her jewelry stolen, which annoyed the heck out of her because Zigzone actually had her jewelry stolen to pay off his gambling debts and did not tip her off. That's one of the main reasons they divorced was not so much his affairs, but the fact that her money was his and he was terrible with money. Uh, he left his second wife, Billy Burke, flat broke. That's why she had to do all those movies. And Anna Held actually started out with some success in Europe before coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. What? She, was, she was a cabaret artist in, in Paris. And and what brought her to the U.S.? Sixelt. He he came over on a uh, talent scouting tour in Europe uh-huh. in 1896. And his father was a uh, rather pompous uh, musical director who wanted him to find classical music uh, artists. And Sixelt knew what sold and knew what the public loved. So he found... Eugene uh, Sandow, a strong man, and he found Anna Held, who was a naughty cabaret artist, and he realized this is what the public wants. How different was she off stage from on stage? Very. She she played a bubblehead on stage. She was this sexy, naughty, childlike kind of, of woman on stage. And off stage, she was one of the smartest um she she knew her stuff. Um, she was smart with money. She was smart with her career. She was very driven and ambitious. Um, she became a war heroine during World War One and uh, was captured behind the front lines by the German army at one point. She was a very, very strong woman, and she would not put up with any nonsense from Ziegfeld, which is why they eventually split up. You mentioned that she... Um became a war hero she went back to france during world war 1 to work with well to to perform for troops and and really do whatever she could do to help the war effort but her return to france how did that impact her celebrity status in the us is that to some degree why she's not as well remembered today as maybe some others from the period might. Well, she she always kept a home in Paris, which actually the building still exists. Thank goodness, it's right opposite the presidential palace. Uh, I was in Paris a few years ago, and every now everyone else was taking photos of the presidential palace, and I had my back <laughs> to it, taking pictures of Anna Held's house. Of course, you did. And people are going, "What are you doing?" I'm going, "Anna Held lived there. Don't you know?" Uh, so she kept a house there, and she returned there every year. For one thing, she had to keep her French accent. Even though she was actually from Warsaw, she cultivated a French accent because she knew that was part of her persona. Again, she was very smart with these things. So um, she traveled uh, traveled the world and stayed in Paris every year. Uh, she was there when war broke out. Uh, she was vacationing, I believe, in the south of France and returned to Paris and stayed there during the bombardments. People forget there were uh, German bombardments uh, by Zeppelin of Paris during World War One. They think more of the uh, London Blitz of World War Two, And uh, 
she had a huge limousine, which she filled with medical equipment and drove behind the lines to entertain and supply medical equipment to the soldiers in the front lines. It, that's that's amazing. And, and you also credit her with being the brains behind Ziegfeld's Broadway. She invented the Follies. Uh, he had done a few shows of... of moderate success, and she said, why don't you do something like they have in Paris, a, a review with beautiful costumes and beautiful girls and comedy, and actually the original Follies girls, the first year they put it on in, I believe, 1908, they were called Anna Held Girls. And, and that's that seems so interesting to me that that she was really behind that, but also that that is what was going on in that era, that there even was a Broadway in 1908. When did Broadway become Broadway? Well, Broadway moved uptown. It really, um, the first major theatrical district was around 14th Street. Um, That would have been in the 1880s, I would say. Uh, And then it moved up to Herald Square, and moved up to Times Square when Times Square became Times Square when the New York Times building opened, would have been early in the 20th century. So really, what we think of as Broadway, I think, probably really started in the Times Square area around the turn of the century, even though, of course, there have been various theatrical districts in New York since the 1700s. What constituted a hit in those days? Shows did not run as long. Uh, you have shows now running for 10 years sometimes. And back then, a show would run, a hit show would run one, maybe two seasons, and then it would go on the road. And that's where it made most of the money, is on the road. They would have a slightly trimmed down production. Uh, the star would go, of course. Um, not quite as much scenery. And perhaps a uh, the chorus girls might stay on Broadway and a new set of chorus girls might be hired for the road. And that's really where the shows made the most money. They would tour for a year or more uh, out through the United States, especially with the coming of the railroads. That became a lot more viable. And and that seems like a um, whether it was a strategy or not, a brilliant uh, way to advertise the existence of Broadway. Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, people who simply could not make the trip out to um, New York would be able to see Broadway shows. Uh, and the railroads were much more viable back then. They they hit more small towns than they do now. Uh, after the, the coming of the airplane, the railroads began dying off, unfortunately, because I prefer a train to a plane myself. Uh, I'm, I've, I've done the Amtrak route most of my life up and down the East Coast and would love to take a train cross-country sometime. Eve, I have to interrupt here because I need to take a short break. Can you stick around for a few minutes of so we can I talk can. some more? Great. We're going to talk some more about Anna Held and the birth of Zegfeld's Broadway with Eve Gordon after we let our broadcast partner squeeze in a few words. We'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with uh, the author of numerous theater and film biographies, including uh, the one we're talking about today, Anna Held and the Birth of Ziegfeld's Broadway. Of course, I'm talking about Eve Golden, who uh, joins me by phone. Eve, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem at all. I enjoy listening to your your promos. Um, Eve, the Anna Held. We talked about how different her persona on stage or off stage was from on stage. But what was her persona on stage? Was she a serious actress? Gosh, no. She was. She was a musical comedy bubblehead. She played uh, naughty girls and. Uh, the, the plots of her shows were, were um, girl has to dress up as, as painting in order to, so her boyfriend can make money. Uh, girl lives in, in mythical kingdom where uh, she flies away in an airplane. Just silly fantasy musical comedy shows. And very, they, they got into trouble with the censors, too. There was one scene where she and her chorus girls were all behind dressing screens that came up to their shoulders and appeared to be stark naked and, of course, stepped out from behind the screen and they were wearing, you know, strapless gowns. And another where the girls had sleigh bells attached to their legs and would lie on their backs and kick out the song with, the, uh, with their legs. Oh, that's funny. Um, was did she sing and dance and and all oh, yes. of that? Oh uh, yes, she didn't really dance, but she was a wonderful singer. And it's infuriating that she never made a record. And I don't know why she never made a record because she made uh, a few early movies. So I'm guessing that in the pre-electrical recording age, her voice was maybe too high and didn't carry well into recordings. Um, she had an adorable, she had huge eyes, her face, she had large features, which are always good for stage stars, so her features carried well into the audience, and she maintained her French accent and had a delightful little singing voice. Is, is her singing voice captured in, in some of those videos that might be available on YouTube? No, we can't hear her, unfortunately. Oh, uh, too bad. You can, you can see her singing her champagne song from about 1903. Uh, so lip readers may be able to tell what she's saying, but we can't hear her voice. Is is there no audio to the film that exists no. of her? No. They were doing talkies back then. Talking pictures existed as far back as 1900. But uh, if this was a talking picture, the record part of it has been lost. Hmm. That's that's uh, That really is a shame because that's... Oh, it is. So frustrating. Um, so how do we know that she was a great singer from reviews? Yep, just from the newspaper reviews. I wouldn't say she was a great singer. She didn't have a strong voice. I mean, she was not a Judy Garland. Uh, she had a light, amusing, adorable kind of voice. And she had a great comic uh, ability. She was able to get the, um, the ooh-la-la kind of into her voice when she was singing. Did she write anything? No, no, she was not a writer, but she was a very good director and producer on her own. She knew what, what sold, and she knew what audiences loved. That's why she never went into uh, drama. She knew audiences did not want to see Anna Held in a dramatic part. Um, 
but we've seen uh, actresses try and break out of that that comedy uh, persona and and take on serious roles, and some have been able to make the change pretty effectively. Well, she was either very smart or very realistic, and never attempted that. Hmm. Had she lived longer, perhaps she would have, but I I doubt it. I think she knew where her her metier lay. When did she uh, pass away? She died in 1918, and she was uh, in her late 40s. No one knows exactly what year she was born, because she kept the uh, time and place of her birth a huge secret. She never admitted that she was Polish. She always said that she was, she was actually Polish and from a Jewish family, but she always said that she was uh, French Catholic. And she was born probably around between 1860 and 1865 and died in 1918. And of all the people I've written about, I think she had the most agonizing death. Uh, She died of multiple myeloma, um, which is basically bone marrow cancer, and was one of the first people diagnosed with it, actually, um, in the United States. And she was touring in a show called Follow Me, and she was getting sicker and sicker and more and more pain and insisted on going on because, as she said, all these people were dependent on her for their living, everyone in the show, and all the prop people and and, uh, backstage people as well as the other actors. So she literally kept working until she dropped. Uh, She had a beautiful butterfly costume that she would lift her arms and there were these two very, very long wings attached to sticks that was just a beautiful effect. And toward the end of the show, she was so weak, she had to have two chorus girls lift up her arms for her. Wow. You know, it's so many, um, so many of the people that, that you write about, we're able to revisit some of their work because they did make records and they did make films um would she be better remembered and better known today if there was that kind of a record I think so um she's a little bit better known because of the great Ziegfeld the movie which completely misportrays her Louise Reiner won an Oscar for playing someone who was not even remotely like Anna Held <coughs> um <laughs> excuse me um but I think I'm proudest of this book. I don't think it's, it's I'm going to have to say my best book. I don't know what, you know, I don't have a favorite. But I think I'm proudest of this because Anna Held in her time was so incredibly famous and influential. And she it became so completely forgotten that I'm just delighted to have been able to bring her back to life. How did she show up on your radar, Eve? Photographs. Uh, do you remember the This Fabulous Century um, series of books Time Life put out yeah. in the late 1960s? There was one on 1900 to 1910, and there's this full-page photo of Anna Held that's just breathtaking. She's got this hourglass figure, which is completely fake, by the way. She was this tiny little thing, and that was not corseting, that was padding. Uh, her, <laughs> hips, her hips and her bust are padded out. And if you notice in a lot of photographs of her, the waistline is painted out in the photographs. It's like early photoshopping. Um, and I saw this photograph, and I thought, my God, who is this person? She's, she just embodies the era. She's, she's wonderful looking. And I began reading more about her and wondering why 
nobody knew more about her, why there wasn't a book about her, and the whole era was so colorful that, that I was delighted I was the first to be able to jump in and do this. You especially enjoy, I think, finding the the serious side or the 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 professional behind the scenes in oh, but some I like of my books people. to be funny. I want if if people don't laugh out loud at my books, uh, not at my terrible writing, but at some of the things in the book, <laughs> I don't think I've done my job. I want I want people to have fun and enjoy them. I couldn't write about somebody who had no sense of humor. But yet. There's always an element to exposing that there was a mind behind the silliness. Well, it's like painting a portrait. Uh, I went to the Philadelphia College of Art and was trained as a very bad portrait painter. And I found that you have to show the lights and the darks, and you have to not only show the person, but the costume and the background and the hair. And so it really is, I feel like, painting a three-dimensional portrait. Um I'm, I, I always find out something unflattering and horrible about every person I've written about. And I think, oh, do I have to put this in the book? And I realize, yeah, I have to put this in the book. That's my job. But, but I, don't, I, I don't mean this in a, in a way of, of uncovering dirty secrets. But, but showing, oh, I will do that, too, if I can. <laughs> of course. But, but my point is, is that... You shine a spotlight on the fact that some of these people, like like you did with uh, Jane Mansfield and and now with uh, Anna Held, um, that that there's a serious person at work there. Well, it's important to find reliable interviews with them, and if I can't find that, I can't do a book. And fortunately, Anna Held gave a lot of interviews. And her intelligence and her seriousness about her work and her seriousness about the war uh, really comes through in these. I know when I when I interviewed um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, mm-hmm. um, I, I was I was just so surprised to find out, um, you know, because she has such a, a valley girl kind of uh, persona. Um, what valley is she from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but she always had that kind of um, you know silly, not very serious. But but when you talk to her um, and and get to know the real her, it, it's amazing how how bright she was. Well, I think Elvira has to be bright because um, she's smart enough to have latched onto a persona and kept her career going. So. She's obviously not a dumb woman. She, um, one of the things that she did was she licensed her brand early on. Smart. Before she got nationally known. Yeah. And so now every time somebody puts a quarter in a jukebox with her likeness, (laughs) she gets five cents or something. You know, I don't know. But, um, But that was kind of... Anna Held too. How did in in those days? How was she able to um, work with Ziegfeld to to create that 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 whole Follies 
Well, she never rested. She was working constantly, and even when she was on vacation, she made sure she was in the public eye and giving interviews um, and doing personal appearances. Those are nothing new. So she was a a very hard worker. But I guess what, what I'm wondering about or what I can't help wondering about is why Ziegfeld's name is is on top, and and why they didn't remain on a held well, He went on. Uh, she she of course died in 1918, and he went on uh, till his death in 1932, producing the Follies. And the Follies really people still know what a Follies girl is. All these years later, um, I was I was almost a Follies girl myself. I was on the Crosstown bus in 1981, and this ancient man tottered up to me and said. Excuse me, miss, did anyone ever tell you you look like Ruth Edding? And (laughs) that line had not worked for him since 1928, and I was delighted. And he told me he was a casting director for the Ziegfeld Follies back in the 20s. And, oh, he could have gotten me right into Ziegfeld's office. And here I am 40 years later still talking about it, so obviously I was thrilled. So being a a Follies girl became the epitome of of, uh, show business and... People still know what they are. So Ziegfeld definitely, um, Anaheld may have gotten him started, but he really earned his fame. Uh, not only with that, but shows like Showboat and Sally and Sonny and, and um, the non-Folly shows as well. So uh, Ziegfeld deserves to be famous even, even apart from uh, where Anna got him. Yeah, I'm just I'm just so thrilled to to be learning, and I I learn so much from you every time we talk, Eve. Um, but just the fact that that Broadway had the kind of impact it had, even before the last century. Oh yeah, um, I mean Broadway was 14th Street for the longest time. Uh, there's still actually I think it's been knocked down. The the old Jefferson Theater on 14th Street was this beautiful ruin of a theater for the longest time. I think it's gone now. And uh, I think there are still a couple of buildings in Herald Square uh, from the theatrical period. Um, But it it kind of stopped. There were a few theaters that went uptown towards Central Park, but for some reason Broadway never really extended that far north of Times Square. You were talking a a little bit about... um where she was born and and we kind of skipped over the part where she really was born into fairly dire circumstances. Oh, she had a dreadful childhood. She was um, born Jewish in Warsaw and being Jewish in Warsaw was never a good thing. Uh, and uh, her family fled the pogroms after the assassination of Alexander II, I think it was, in Russia. There were some terrible pogroms in the 1880s, and they fled to Paris when she was about 11 or 12 years old, and both of her parents died when she was under 15. So she was on her own, and like Edith Piaf, she became a street singer and a cabaret singer and worked in the Yiddish theater. She had a very hard time explaining why a Catholic girl from Paris was fluent in Yiddish, by the way. <laughs> I would she, think. Was, she was in New York, and she used to hang around with the, the Yiddish theater people on 2nd Avenue, and, and 
when she was giving interviews about how, oh, she was a Catholic girl from Paris. Some of the Yiddish theater actors are going, yeah, she speaks Yiddish pretty well for a Catholic girl from Paris. Was um, her talent born out of needing to overcome her circumstances, or was there something in her that was destined to be a star? Well, she wouldn't have made it without the talent, and I think perhaps the drive came from her impoverished childhood. Uh, She might have wound up, uh, you know, making artificial flowers or selling violets outside the opera house if she hadn't been such a good actress. And beautiful, of course. Beautiful always helps. Talent is good, but beauty never hurts. And she had this lovely face and figure and mounds of hair. I mean, of course... Uh, women used hair rats back then and hair extensions and wiglets, but she had uh, genuinely, you see photographs of her with her hair down, and she had these mounds of beautiful dark gold hair, um, which is perfect for the era as well. Um, So a combination of talent and drive is what will always get you ahead, even today. Did she study, or was she all self-taught? She was self-taught, but you... A no singer can maintain a career without constant voice coaching and constant um, lessons in keeping your your voice in tune. Um, I was a very, not very good singer 40 years ago, but I could never sing today because I didn't keep taking voice lessons. And anyone on Broadway knows, now that Broadway is just starting to reopen, uh, they had to keep... uh, rehearsing and singing and keeping their voice in tune all this past year and a half when they weren't on stage because otherwise your voice will just go. So she had talent, but she worked very hard at keeping it in tune. Are there any other film portrayals of Anna Held? Uh, there was a miniseries, Vic Selden and His Women. I think Barbara Carrera, was it? Uh, Barbara Parkins. Barbara Parkins, I think it was, played her in a 1970s miniseries. And she was portrayed in uh, Ragtime, the musical. Uh, she had several hit songs. She was, they always sang about her eyes. So her eyes were, uh, I Just Can't Make My Eyes Behave, and um, uh, that sort of song. How were those other portrayals? Um, Ragtime was mostly a musical, so it was just a portrayal of her in performance, really. Uh, the Ziegfeld and his women, again, she was, she was portrayed, like in the movie, more as a, a weak little victim, which she was not. She would not take any nonsense from Ziegfeld. She walked out on him, and when a reporter said, would you consider ever getting back with Ziegfeld, she said, you don't, who wants a half-smoked cigar? <laughs> and there's that scene in the great Ziegfeld where she finds out that he's engaged to Billy Burke and she's oh Flo I am so happy for you with the tears running down her face that never happened <laughs> it doesn't sound like that would have happened that never happened she she found out about it when uh, she was in Paris that he was engaged to Billy Burke and, uh, and by the way uh, Flo Ziegfeld and Anna Held never married uh, they were a common-law marriage uh, because she was already married. 
She'd uh, been married a couple times. No, she had one husband oh, back really? in France, and she had a daughter, and she and her daughter hated each other. They had a terrible oh. relationship. For one thing, her poor daughter looked like Edward G. Robinson in drag, and that could not have been easy on her, being Anna Held's daughter and not being pretty. Um, she tried her own theatrical career, and that didn't work out. So she had she had mommy issues, uh, the poor thing. I really feel sorry for her, because remember I said I always find out something unflattering about my subjects? Right. Anna Held was not a good mother. She basically abandoned her daughter and her first husband and came to the U.S. to become a star. Um, where were we? I've completely gotten off track. Well, um, actually, uh, I... We're getting close to the end, Eve, and I want to make sure and find out who's next for Eve. Um, who are you going to introduce us to or remind us of next? Well, my Jane Mansfield book has just now come out, and I am working on a biography of Lupe Velez. Oh, and really? uh, I'm, I'm thinking of calling it Lupe Velez. No, she did not drown in her toilet. I'm not actually going to call it that, but the main thing people know about Lupe Velez is that she drowned in her toilet, and no, that never happened. But she was, Lupe was incredibly talented uh, as a dramatic actress and a comedian, amazing singer, and I'm furious that she did not have Greta Garbo's career. If MGM had backed her, she could have played all of Garbo's roles. And and what about Kay Kendall? I had a note to bring up Kay Kendall. Is that... Oh, well, my paperback on Kay has been reissued. Oh, okay, um, that's what it was. Brilliantly talented comedian who very few of her films were worthy of her talent, really. She was better than most of her films, but even her bad films are worth watching because she is just so sparkling and alive in them. Well, Eve, where can people find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Not just the, the new book, Anna Held and the Birth of Ziegfeld's Broadway. Well, my website, evegolden.com, and uh, certainly books available on Amazon. And the University Press of Kentucky has published most of my books. Um, wonderful place. I've never had a bad experience with them. Um, but I'd say go to evegolden.com and um, see what there is to see. Well, I'm especially thankful to the University Press of Kentucky because they keep dropping me a line whenever <laughs> you do something wonderful. And, and I'm we, grateful to them, too. <laughs> and we get to talk about it. And I look forward to the uh, the next time that we, we get together. And thank you so much for sharing... Uh, your your research and knowledge with me and with the listeners this morning and in your books. Um, Thank you. I always love being on your show. Well, keep up the good work, Eve, and, and I look forward you to too. the next time. Take care. Thanks. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, that was um, Eve Golden. She was on the show uh, back in March talking about her uh, uh, book that's just come out, uh, Biography. She writes... Um, theater and film biographies including Jane Mansfield she was on the show to talk about that one and um, The Brief Madcap Life of Kay Kendall which is uh, back out in um, uh, paperback and uh, John Gilbert The Last of the Silent Film Stars her, uh, her new book is uh, printed by University Press of Kentucky it's called Anna Held and the Birth of Ziegfeld's Broadway and with that, we'll have uh, 
more of the uh, Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Uh, if you're listening to us on 92.1 LPFM in Flint, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson lies tense and awake in the darkness as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which keeps the patient in complete lethargy for eight hours at a time, offers valid proof of his agonizing affliction. This has been going on since nine o'clock. Oh, please, not that again. John! John! Quit it, Blanche. John! Uh-huh. There must be something that'll put a stop to that hideous snoring. Why do you do it? Do what, Blanche? Snore. Huh? Snore! John, I'm going out of my mind. For years you've been telling people you've got insomnia, and you not only sleep like a log, but you sound like you're sawing it! Very funny. It isn't funny. It's tragic. There's the clock again. Two o'clock. I've counted that thing, John, 45 times since we went to bed, and I still haven't slept. Well, how do you expect to sleep if you're going to lie there counting chimes? Throw the damn clock out. It's keeping me awake, too. You wouldn't wake up if we had Big Ben. (laughs) Big Ben who? The house could fall down. You'd never know it. Oh, that's not true, Blanche. You know I'm a very light sleeper. Light sleeper. About an hour ago, we had the worst thunderstorm I ever heard, and you never even budged. Well, why didn't you wake me? You know I can't sleep when it's thundering. I'm a nervous girl. I've got crow's feet around my eyes, my forehead's all wrinkled, and my chin is sagging. I'm beginning to look like an old hag. It's true, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. Why not, John? I'd be awake for the rest of the night. You think it's true, though, don't you? What's true? I'm beginning to look like an old hag. You are not beginning to look like an old hag. Why do you emphasize beginning? All right, you're not beginning to look like an old hag. That sounds even worse. Well, how do you want me to say it? Say I look beautiful. Okay, I look beautiful. Good night. Oh, I don't know how a man could be so cruel. Is it any wonder I'm getting old before my time? What time is it? It's after two o'clock and I haven't slept a wink. Well, go to sleep. You can't stand the sight of me, can you, John? I can stand it fine. Before we were married, you used to say such beautiful, poetic things. You don't anymore. Oh, well, Blanche, how do you expect me to feel poetic at 2 o'clock in the morning? You used to feel that way at 3 o'clock before we were married. Say something poetic. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty... Oh, stop it. You're just trying to irritate me now. Well, what do you want me to say? You know what I want you to say. Okay, Blanche, when I look into your eyes, time stands still. Are you satisfied? No. Well, why not? That might also mean I have a face that would stop a clock. 
Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. I want to get some sleep. You're not going to make me believe I'm hideous and ugly, John Bickerson. Huh? It isn't so long ago I won a beauty contest in my hometown. Long enough. I never hear you tell any of your friends about it. Oh, Blanche, a man can't go around telling his friends that his wife was Miss Clam Harbor Lighthouse of 1931. You make it sound as though I was the only girl in the contest. What about my sister Clara? What about her? You won it, didn't you? I'd like to hear you talk that way about Gloria Gooseby. Oh, now don't start with Gloria Gooseby. The way you drool every time you look at her, you would think she was Miss America. I don't drool when I see anybody. I hate Gloria Gooseby. Then why do you keep inviting her here to dinner? I didn't invite her, you did. Don't change the subject. If it weren't for the fact that her husband Leo is such a nice person, I wouldn't have either of them in my house. And the dinner was awful. Well, you cooked it, Blanche. Yes, the thought of that horrible Gloria Gooseby coming to dinner got me all confused. And I ruined everything. The minute I turned my back, that roast caught on fire and I had to throw soup on it to put it out. You should have thrown that pie on it, too. There was nothing wrong with that pie. I hate lemon meringue, and you know it. It wasn't lemon meringue. It was apple pie. What, what was that yellow stuff on top? The crust got burned, and I had to put some unguentine on it. Thank heaven I didn't eat any. No, but your girlfriend stuffed herself with four pieces, the glutton. She is not my girlfriend, and quit talking about her so I can get some sleep. You wouldn't look twice at her if she didn't wear those brazen dresses. I would, too. I mean, I don't care what she wears. It's a shame Leo is such a little mouse. Believe me, if I were Gloria Gooseby's husband, I'd show her a thing or two. <sighs> Somebody ought to turn her over and give her a good spanking. Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking, John Bickerson. I'm not thinking anything. Why don't you let me sleep, Blanche? I'm not going to stand for it much longer, John. You keep putting on that innocent attitude, but you don't fool me. I wouldn't feel so bad, except I'm so sick I could die. What's the matter now? I'm sick. I get fainting spells all the time, and the doctor doesn't know what it is. I never know. I, I know I'll never recover. Don't be silly. You'll recover. You've got a healthy constitution. I have not. You have, too. You had pneumonia, and you got well. You had the flu, you got well. You had the mumps, you got well. You've had 60 diseases, and you always get well. I never saw such a healthy woman in all my life. Well, what about these fainting spells? You'll recover from those, too. But if you ever get locked, jaw, you'll bust. Why don't you faint now so I can sleep? Of all the unsympathetic, unfeeling wretches, if you ever lost me, it wouldn't mean a thing to you. Oh, wouldn't it, though? Well, you don't have to sound so eager. I'm not eager. I'm just sleepy. It's a good thing we don't have any children. I can just imagine what kind of a life a poor little child would have in this house. Ah... To have a father who constantly rants and raves, selfish and thoughtless. A man who can't bear the sight of his own child. What are you talking about? Me, sick in bed, and the poor little infant crying in his crib, crying his heart out for a little attention. Blanche! Why don't you feed the baby, John? John, why do you hate children so much? Because I can't bear them. I know, but why do you hate them? Blanche, all you want to do is keep me awake, isn't that right? You would have been asleep long ago if you hadn't kept me awake with your snoring. Well, can I help it if I snore? Yes, yes, you can. Dr. Marvin tells me there's something wrong with your nasal passages. He says you have a deviated septum. Why don't you let him fix it? Okay, I'll have it fixed next week. Yeah, you say it, but you won't do it. Let him fix it now. What? Go on, get up. Let the doctor pull out your septum. 
Blanche, are you out of your mind? Do you think I'm going to let that broken down doctor hammer on my nose at 3 o'clock in the morning? He doesn't hammer on your nose. He chisels. You can say that again. I've seen his blood. Well, you're going to have to do something. As it is, neither of us is getting any sleep. Why don't you have him sew up your ears? I wouldn't argue at all if you'd just be a little nice for a minute. You've been up to something again, Blanche. What is it? I haven't been up to anything. I just want you to tell me you love me. That's all. Well, you know I do. You never say it. Oh, I say it all the time. Say it now. I love you. How much do you love me? How much do you need? Fifty dollars. Now, wait a minute, Blanche. You promised me, John. I know, but I can't give you anything extra this month. That's what you told me last month. Well, I kept my word, didn't I? Now, what do you want $50 for? The rent. Oh, the rent is in the cookie jar. Mm, No, it isn't. It is, too. I looked there yesterday. You didn't look today. What? Now, Blanche, don't tell me you spent that money on something foolish. Oh, no. I gave it to a bookbinder. A bookbinder? What do we need with a bookbinder? Our book is in fine condition. Not that kind of... (laughs) This man goes to the racetrack. He's a trout. A trout? The racetrack? Blanche! Blanche! Did you bet that money with a bookmaker? Turn on the lights. Now, don't get excited, John. He brought back the ticket. Here. Oh, a $50 win ticket. How could you take my hard-earned money and gamble it away on a horse? I work my fingers to the bone, and you squander every penny I make. You never see me betting horses. I've never been to a racetrack in my life. What's the name of the horse? Valdino Ridge. The bum? A worn-out goat that hasn't won a race since Del Mar. Oh, Blanche, why did you do it? Did he win? No, he ran second. $50 tossed away. Why are you tearing up the ticket, John? Because it's no good. I ought to make you eat the pieces. This is the worst thing you've ever done in your life. Blanche, at least you could have played him to place. Well, don't throw the pieces away, John. What makes you so sure that it's no good? Well, you played the horse to win, didn't you? Yes. And he ran second, didn't he? Yes. Well, then the ticket's worthless. Here, watch your $50 go out the window. There, I knew you had something on your mind. I'm sorry, John. Well, what's the difference? Who won the race? Do you know? Yes, I heard it on the radio. Well, who won it? Disqualified. Disqualified? Yes, the announcer said the winner of the race was disqualified. (sighs) Wish I was dead. Good night, John. Yeah.
SummerProgram.com You pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here! It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>